show where we never expected to say this after so long, but Ayal, Naftali, and Gilad are still not home, and personally, I cannot believe it. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam El Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and little and <laughs> a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as whacking as mine, coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful uh, Lower East Side. I am joined by Avrami. Avrami is actually coordinating my guests on the uh, on the other line right now. So I'm not going to shoot to Avrami at this present second, but I will wish Avrami a good morning. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Mary Mel Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Lenore Skanazi did. Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NachumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest. I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, NachumSiegelNet. That's all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach, all one word. My new favorite uh, follower on Twitter, by the way, is someone whose Twitter handle is Farful. Yes, it's actually Farful36. It made me laugh. It gave me a good little chuckle out of nowhere. Uh, to see somebody whose handle was Farful36. Shout out to everyone, by the way, who has been posting and commenting on our app. It's been an exciting week here at the Nachum Siegel Network because it has been app week. And my thanks to all of our sponsors this week. Today's sponsor is Kitchen Click. Make sure to check out our Facebook page and find out how to win the Nespresso machine courtesy of our friends at Kitchen Click. Every day during app week, we have been highlighting one of the app's many, many cool features and valuable prizes based on those themes have been awarded daily to our daily social media contests. Today's prize is the Nespresso machine I just mentioned because the app feature for today is the alarm. Yes, you can wake up with Nachum Siegel by setting your app alarm. I do it, by the way, every morning. And what do you do after you wake up? You make yourself a cup of Nespresso. See how that works? So make sure to take part in our Facebook page and our app um, giveaway. It's been a wonderful, wonderful week. My thanks to our friends and our partners at Finn Partners for making sure this all happens smoothly. And, of course, to our friends at Rusty Brick for making our app in the first place. Be sure to download that app, by the way, if you have not already. It is available for all Apple devices in the App, in the app Store and all Android devices in the Google Play Store. Uh, and for the App Week excitement on our, on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Let's go to our favorite segment. What does the fortune cookie say? Avram, what does the fortune cookie say? You there now? I am here. How are you? Thank God, doing well. Thank God. By the way, it's a schmoil outside. Well, that's why it's good to get out early in the day. Yes, you and I were both here bright and early. Uh, my fortune is your greatest fortune is the friends and family you have. That's nice. That's nice. It's true, by the way, but that that is... I was hoping for a little bit more here on this Thursday morning. I do want to comment, by the way, um, that, as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, we are two weeks in to um, the search and the rescue of our three boys. Bring back our boys is a hashtag that has been trending off and on for two weeks. There's been a tremendous amount of uh, publicity and um generated through social media and through the campaigns and through the rallies and through the people speaking out. And yesterday, um, with this massive, massive billboard in Times Square, which the New York Post covered and which got uh, made a tremendous amount of excitement um, through social media. One thing that I want people to understand, and I think that this is coming across on many levels, and this is not here to make a political statement, except for the fact that we can all agree that the boys should be brought home. I don't care what your politics are. But the boys should be brought home safely. 
And with that, there is something that every single person can do. You can call your congressman. You can leave a message at the White House. I mean, thank you to Mindy Rosengarten, who reminded me to do that this week and has been posting it on Facebook with the phone number, just asking people to do that. Yes, take the time to do that. Take the time to pray. There is nothing short of tefillah. It's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, powerful thing. Tefillah gets us through so many things. Tefillah unites us, as you've seen. Tefillah unites us. And if you don't want to do any of that and you want to do something a little bit different, or you want to do something in addition, you can sponsor food for, for Chayalim who are, who are out in droves, who are protecting, who are searching, who are serving. There are a number of ways to do that. You can check out my Facebook page. I evidently was able yesterday, um, thank you to Amy Gottlieb, I, I learned yesterday that I could sponsor fruit for Chayalim, and I did that. And it's and somebody buys it on behalf and, and of uh, of me or anybody else who donates, and then it is left at the Pinat Chama where um, Chayalim go, and um, our treats are available for them, food is available for them, nice different th- opportunities are available for them, and it's all in support of our Chayalim. Um, and so there are so many different things that people can do um, can do to support our Chayalim. That's really, really an important um, piece. So whatever you're doing, folks, whatever you're doing, just make sure you're doing something. I think that's the message. Whatever you're doing, let's do something. Um, let's go through the national holidays, by the way. Carpenter Ant Awareness Week uh, started... Um, Started a couple of days ago. Started a couple of days ago. That's Carpenter Ant Awareness Week. And Fish Are Friends Not Food Week. It's also Lightning Safety Awareness Week. National Mosquito Control Awareness Week. Yeah, I don't think we need any uh, awareness of the mosquitoes and the need to control them. That's happening all on their own. It's Watermelon speed, uh, watermelon Seed Spinning Week, which is not something I want anybody in the Wallach household to take part in. It's also International Day Against Drug Abuse and Illicit Trafficking. It's International Day in Support of Victims of Torture. It's National Canoe Day. Rami, I don't know how we celebrate National Canoe Day. We should just go canoeing. We should just head out and start to go canoeing. You think that's a great idea? Okay. And it's National Handshake Day. By the way, in the past when we've talked about National Handshake Day, I have dared people to go out on Grand Street. By the way, I think I've dared you to do this, to go out on Grand Street and just sort of start randomly shaking people's hands. Now, in New York, either that's weird or that's not weird. It's going to either come across as, you know, hey, it's just a New Yorker being a New Yorker, or it's going to come across as, wow, that's pretty weird. Somebody passed the Purell. But either way, it is National Handshake Week. It is that opportunity to do something fun like that. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And as I did last week, um, as I did last week, I am going to play a song that I feel speaks to me right now during um, during these couple of weeks. I don't want us to go continue going through day to day without doing something to remember or to inspire or to be part of the process and to be part of of this effort to bring back our boys. And so one song that has been on my mind is Devekis's Kol Barama off of Devekis 2, and I'd like to play that now. Rachel, Rachel, Mevaka, Mevaka, 
That was the Vacus's Kol Birama, um, something that definitely speaks to me and has crossed my mind over the last two weeks. Avrami, is your mic on? Now it is. Yes, it is. Um, you know, there was a lot of conversation last week, um, right before Shabbos. I don't know if Toby was receiving the same text that I was and she was on all these chains, but there was an effort to have women light um, two extra candles, three extra candles, and um, it, it, that um, there was word that um, if there were three million can- extra candles lit, that that good news would be brought. Um, and so, while I'm ne- not always a believer in, in movements like this, my my attitude was: if this helps, you know, if this helps, if this is what I can do, then great, I'll do it. But something else that we did in our home last week, uh, last Friday night. Um, was, as per the recommendation of Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, Fink or Swim, who was interviewed with Nahum on Tuesday, which was to set an extra seat at your table. In Rabbi Fink's shul in Santa Monica, they had three open seats in the front of their shul with the boys' names on it to serve as a constant reminder that the boys are still not home. And he encouraged families 
to set an extra place at their table as well to serve as that reminder in the house that there are three homes that are also that are that that have seats set at their table as well that the boys are not there and we should not go through a Shabbos without um, taking that moment to remember that as well. Did you guys do anything at your home? Um, we talked about it some, and uh, we talked about the candles, but we weren't sure, like you said, it was supposed to be three million extra candles, or just because I was thinking, like, there must be, with all the Jews everywhere, religious and not religious, uh, and families, whatever, there must have been that many candles being, I just that was just one of the things, I didn't know where it came from, also somebody wrote that they went to some rabbi in Israel. That right, said, uh, yeah. But yes, no, we talked about it and uh, and, and did, and did some uh, and daven some to Hillam and so on. But we didn't uh, didn't think of doing the extra chair. I think that was um, try to actually suggest that for this coming week. I didn't wouldn't have thought of that on my own. I know, and I would trust me. I would not have thought about that on my own either. And a shout out to Rabbi Fink who um, who posted that idea, which I thought was tremendous, and it sparked a tre- a lot of conversation in our home, and and that was also part of it to me, is that being that we live on this side of, pond, of, of the pond, and being that we are isolated, and, and frankly, as we all know, the U.S. news and, and uh, is not covering it the way we would hope, they're not covering it with the sense of urgency that it needs to be covered, and so it's very possible to go through the entire day making sure that, uh, or not making sure, but just going through the entire day, not being aware of it. But it's obviously important that we do something every single day, that we are active members of the society and active members of the movement to bring home the boys. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my first guest actually joins me on the phone. And she, <laughs> it's a little bit of a strange segue, uh, segue, I should say, between one and the other. But Hannah Farkas um, joins me on the phone. She's a program manager at the OU, and she is in charge. Can I say in charge? She is in charge of the upcoming marriage retreat or the, what was the official title? The marriage enrichment treat at the Woodcliffe Lake, Woodcliffe Lake Hilton. I was about to say the Woodcliffe Lake Clinton. That would be wrong. Uh, July 11th through 13th. Hannah, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And a mazel tov to you. I know that you are just back uh, from maternity leave. Yes, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. So it actually brings me to one of the first questions that I have. This is the ninth annual marriage enrichment retreat that's being hosted by the Orthodox Union. And we I grew up joking or thinking that the three main issues that family that that husbands and wives deal with or that are the sources of conflict or issues within a marriage are the kids, money, and, uh, oh, sorry, I should say family, money, and intimacy. What are some of the issues that this retreat is going to be covering in 2014? Or is it some of the same kinds of issues that, that I expect? Um, absolutely. Uh, we cover a very wide range of topics because the goal is to happy marriages. Um, so we talk about finances, we talk about parenting, communication skills. It's really the, the goal of the retreat is just to um, enhance people uh, in marriage um, and educate them on on positive ways to communicate with each other. Positive ways to communicate with each other. It doesn't sound like the Jewish way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're trying to change that then. (laughs) So what does that mean then, positive ways to communicate? That's a great catchphrase, but practically, what does it mean? I, I mean, people will sometimes have have uh, lapses in communication where they might 
um, start to fight, um, you know, maybe raise their voice or things like that. So these are, we give them practical tips and, and ways that they can discuss things, um, you know, clearly and, and make the other person understand them a little bit better um, as opposed to some of the negative things that may or may not, you know, occur in a marriage. It's like a clean fight kind of a thing, being able to articulate. Exactly. exactly. And by the way, that's something that everyone needs, um, you know, a little bit of a refresher on. There, There's nobody who hasn't been in a situation with, with their spouse that they don't know how to handle perfectly and therefore would like to take a step back and have somebody sitting there as the coach saying, listen, take a deep breath. This is how you should handle it. Right. Well, we like to think of it as, um, you know, you, you take classes to learn, um, you know, a career and things like that. Um, it's important to do that with marriage as well. So the word enrichment in this case means what? Um, it, Is it like a strengthening? Hannah? One second. I think we lost Hannah. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't hear her at all. Avrami? Okay, well, can we try and get, is the, all right, we're, there you are. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Did you press the mute button? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I must have pushed the button. Okay. I lost you for a second. All right, well, we're back, and that's all that matters. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the word enrichment. Okay, sorry. Um, so basically, the, the program is designed for happily married couples. Um, so we use the word enrichment because we're focusing on these, these happy couples and just and making them even happier and, and um, you know, enriching their lives together as a couple. So that's a really important distinction to be made because, of course, you're going to have people who are l- listening to this and saying, marriage enrichment retreat. I don't want to go there and have somebody think that my marriage is in trouble and therefore I have to have an excuse as to what I'm doing there. This, right. this is directed for and directed to happily married couples. Absolutely. There's definitely that stigma out there that if you're going to, you know, a, a marriage program, that there's, there's something wrong with your marriage. And we really try to emphasize that that's not the case here. It's also part of, you know, the, the stigma that goes along with, well, if somebody's in therapy, they must have something wrong with them. Whereas I believe that the people who are the healthiest are the ones who, are, who go through therapy. Yeah. Absolutely. What does what does the weekend look like? Can you break it down for us? <laughs> um, so the program itself starts around twelve o'clock on Friday, um, and there's always a ton of food. Um, and then <laughs> we have we have different workshops that are set up throughout the weekend, um, where you have you have three options to choose from usually um, based on your the demographic because the program itself um, attracts a very wide demographic from, you know, couples that have been married one to two years, three years, four years, all the way up to 55 plus. Wow. Um, So we really try to um, have something for everyone, basically. That's incredible. Okay. So, of course, you know, we make a joke about the food and whatever, and that that's that's the draw. Um, But I think it's also, I mean, as much as we're making fun of it, it's part of the feeling of community, is that we want people to enjoy themselves. We don't want people to think they're under a spotlight. Right. No, they're coming for the the program itself, 
but we try to make the experience as enjoyable as possible. Um, you know, we have uh, separate swimming options and um, discounts at the spa there. So it's, it's a really nice weekend. Um, and a lot of people come back and because they have friends that have gone previously and they bring their friends. So it's, it's just a beautiful type of program to get to know other people from across the country as well. So when you say that there are couples there that have been married a year, there are newlyweds who come to the program? Oh, absolutely. What brings a, newly, a newlywed couple to, to a program like this? Um, well, sometimes it's their parents um, who have gone to the retreat and have decided that this is important to convey these skills to their children. Um, and, you know, sometimes the couples are just beginning and starting out, and they think it's a great segue into their marriage. And and so families come, like, multi-generational? Oh, absolutely. I have um, one couple that brought three of their married kids um, a few years ago. And um, this year, one of my couples uh, paid for his, his two kids, um, and he's babysitting. No way. <laughs> yeah, just to allow them that opportunity. That's great. Let's talk about some of the speakers who are available over the weekend who people can listen to. Sure. Um, most of my um, my speakers are, you know, uh, either licensed clinical social workers or um, psychologists. Um, so we have a wide array of different psychologists and therapists, as well as Rabbanim, to answer any type of question that they could have, whether it's on intimacy or communication or, um, you know, uh, any any of those types of topics. So. Okay, so let's go let's go through one of them specifically. Tell me about one of the sessions that somebody's going to be holding. Sure. Um, one of the pro- sessions is called The Art of Listening. Mm. Um, and it, it just talks about the, the different ways to um, to listen to your spouse. It's not necessarily just when, when they're talking, but it's also the subtleties and the things um, that, that they're doing or their actions or things like that. You can learn to communicate with them by just listening to what they're doing. Right. Um, and that's being held by um, Risky Young Grace. Wow, that's great. That's yeah. great. It is, by the way, it is, it is an interesting, it is an interesting kind of a skill. Um, and it's something that was one of the first skills that I was taught when, when starting out in, in journalism. Um, and to that I can credit Mayor Fertig, which which was the art of listening. Is that sometimes it's not about um, it's not about taking down all the information or getting down the nitty gritty or whatever. It's about listening to the bigger picture, giving that person your attention, making that person feel that not only are you engaged um, cerebrally, but that you are engaged emotionally, and that you're engaged at all. And so, so much of our interaction both with our spouses and with people on day-to-day, is all about the art of listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is um, Dr. Solomon, who is, a, who is a, um, a repeat guest and a contributor here at That Life, Dr. Michael Solomon, who uh, couldn't join us this morning. I wanted him to talk about his session. But what will he be speaking about? Um, well, he has three different sessions. One of them that he's talking about is called um, Expectations, Attributions, and Marital Satisfaction. Um, which is definitely a handful, but um, it, it's basically talking about um, what you went into the marriage um, with, what you thought about, and you know, and how your personality and temperament and um, and those types of things lead to the outcomes of the marital relationship. 
So it kind of gives you like huh. a step back of um, of what's going to be happening, you know, uh, in your marriage by by looking at at yourself. Basically, is there a is there a um a place for a single person, a single man or a woman who would like to attend this this weekend? Is there a place for them to come? Um, not at this point, uh, because we really are focusing on those couples that are married. Um, it's definitely something that we are looking into, whether or not to have a, um, you know, a, a program for singles like this, um, but we haven't done that at this point. I think it's interesting, by the way, that there is this breakdown of both um, psychologists and therapists and Rabbanim who are joining as well. Why is it important to bring in both um, elements, both sides of the coin, so to speak? Well, because a marriage is really based on on both of those things. It's, you know, the spiritual growth and the psychological growth of the couple. Um, so by engaging both types of, um, you know, having both the, the therapist and the, the rabbis there, it really brings um, a new dimension to the marriage. Are people surprised, by the way, when Rabbanim come and starts speaking about marriage and speaking about their personal situations and, and their... Um, their long-term relationships? Um, I think maybe at first, but um, I think by by hearing about the, the different uh, decisions or um, discussions that they might be having with their spouses, it kind of gives them a, um, a more in-depth understanding that this is completely normal what they're going through, mm. um, and it also helps them to just solidify their marriage by, by discussing these things with with someone who is qualified in both, wow. um, you know, the spirituality and uh, and in the in uh, marriage enrichment. There has to be comfort in knowing for anybody who's attending that day that whatever they are experiencing and and happy marriages, by the way, take on different forms and different personalities. But it's 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 got to be comforting to all of the attendees to hear a similar situation or a similar anecdote to something that they have experienced come out of the of the mouth of a of a of a professional or a rav or somebody who holds you know marriage counseling sessions and say wow this isn't unique to me this is just part of being married absolutely i think that it does it does show um, how important that is just by having so many people returning year to year um, because it's not only only one year that they're coming in, you know, 2005 or 2007, but they're returning in 2011 and right. 2012. So um, I definitely think that it it does help, you know, year to year to just have that renewal and that refresher there. Well, I, w- I want everyone to know that they that uh, registration ends tomorrow. Am I right? Yes. Registration right. ends tomorrow. You can call 212-613-8351. For more information, it is the Marriage Enrichment Retreat hosted by the OU. It is the ninth annual. It is at the Woodcliffe Lake Hilton in uh, in New Jersey, in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey, July 11th through the 13th. You can register at OUcommunity.org, OUcommunity.org. And I think, Hannah, by accident, I just gave out your personal line number. <laughs> which is on which is on the flyer. It's not like which I'm disseminating. Totally fine okay, they're they're answering my number there too. Amazing, so it's not a problem. Oh, they can also call um, the 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 general number, which is two one two six one three eight three zero zero two one two six one three eight three zero zero. The marriage enrichment retreat, a weekend of discovery, a lifetime of love. Hannah Farkas, thank you so much for joining me. Mazel tov again, and good luck that weekend.
Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my second guest is actually on the phone from Detroit, if am I right? Rabbi Goldberg, are you there? I am. How are you, Miriam? I am well, sir. How are you? I'm so happy that we were able to connect with you. I know that we had a couple, we had a, a little bit of difficulty a minute ago, but Rabbi Eli Mel- I, I, I so much apologize. Don't, for, don't be ridiculous. It's all good here at That's Life. Uh, Rabbi Eli Melech Goldberg joins us. He is the founder of Kids Kicking Cancer. He is being featured this weekend at the Young Israel of Woodmere, which I heard about as I was in Shul last Shabbos. I was just so excited to hear that you were coming. I look forward to seeing you this weekend. My great pleasure. So let, the, a whole bunch of things that we need to talk about, including um, this wonderful article in the Boston Globe that featured the um, regional program that was launched in Boston by Kids Kicking Cancer. We were very blessed. I got a call from Kevin DuPont, who's a columnist for the Boston Globe, and um, just out of the thin air, he saw us. He saw a feature of Kids Kicking Cancer on Good Morning America, and he gave us a call and interviewed us, and he asked a, a great question. How do we start a regional program in Boston? We have programs now in four countries. Wow. So I, so I explained to him the cost, but I said more important than the cost, which is really not a great deal, um, is leadership. And we look for what we call the, the six M's, people who are connected to the martial arts community, the medical community, people who have connections to media, marketing, money, and, and, and we look to this group for management. So those are the six M's for us to toss out a program. And toss, of course, has, happens to be an acronym as well, <laughs> to teach, observe, supervise, and support. Wow. So... Uh, because of that article, somebody called me up and he said, uh, I'll write you the check for $50,000 to start a program in Boston. And I told the gentleman, that's very nice, but I can't take your check yet until we put all the other M's together. Mm. And uh, But because of that article, we had so many people call, people from the academic community. Of course, Boston is a, a great medical right, community. Sure. And um, we just have to drop all the R's when we speak, and we're... So we have actually started, we had last night our uh, webinar with 30 martial artists. It was our third session together, the first I did in person, and then the next one I'm doing in person again. And we have a great committee that's formed and a lot of excitement because it's really easy to take a child from being a victim to becoming a victor and allowing that child to know that they have the power of teaching. Was he surprised? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 I apologize. Continue. No, that's frankly what's going on in, in Long Island. The, the issue is not just raising dollars. Obviously, that's very important. But much more important than that is finding leadership. People will step forward on the regional level. We have room on the national level and on the international level to really take part in running the organization. Was, was that donor surprised that you would not take um, his generous, generous donation before everything else was in place? Uh, he was a little, he, he told me nobody ever said that to him before. <laughs> I imagine. But it's really, it's, it's, it's so important, and we've learned through the 15 years that we're in existence, uh, it's not about the money, it's about getting good people to oversee the different parts of the program. And then, that everything else comes into place. 
The um, in in you joining us at the Young Israel of Woodmere this Shabbos, and uh, you'll be speaking Shabbos morning in the main shul. Um, uh, the topic is called "A Perfect God Created an Imperfect World Perfectly: Life Lessons from Kids Kicking Cancer on Parsha Chukot." There's also a Shabbos afternoon drasha, and then Saturday night, Matzei Shabbos at 10 o'clock is the the topic is what caught the entire main shul at the Young Israel Woodmere by storm and actually started uh, a lot of a lot of giggling in between because it's it was entitled a breath break seminar learn how to live longer and defeat stress in 60 minutes now that rabbi got everybody's attention well i'm i'm really surprised because i was told that in new york no one has any stress <laughs> Yeah, we we give it to other people, um, but, but tell us how. Tell me, and obviously, I don't want you to give away your Saturday night um, activity, your Saturday night speech. But tell me how that works, releasing stress in sixty minutes. Well, it's really very simple. People don't recognize the insidious nature of those ongoing, chronic. What if this happens, and what if that happens? And really what takes place, and I I lecture in in medical schools about this, is that the adrenal gland ends up shooting out these nasty little chemicals called glucocorticoids, which are absolutely essential in the state of nature. In the seminar, I show a picture of two leopards running after a kangaroo, which uh, I took as kind of nostalgia for my growing up in the Bronx. And above one leopard, it says hunger, and the other leopard, it says hunger, and over the other animal, the kangaroo running away, it's, uh, it's fright. You know, it wants to live. Right. And that's fight and flight. And that was a phrase coined by Walter Cannon, who was obviously a doctor of high caliber, if you'll excuse me, uh-huh. who um, in, in Boston, he came up with this at Harvard, this concept of fight or flight, how the body needs to turn off anything other than that which is essential to fight or flight. It. So it'll affect the digestive tract, it'll affect the, the vasal system, it'll affect the muscles, it'll affect the immunological system. People have stress, they get sick, because mm. their immunological system is compromised. And so what happens during that circumstance, the 20-minute run in the jungle, is that every ounce of energy has to be on fight or flight, and that's okay, because at the end of the day, they have to live. And... In the jungle, after 20 minutes, it's, it's off. Well, the kangaroo's captured, obviously his is off, but the leopards as well, it's turned off. They're absolutely fine, and everything goes back to what's called the parasympathetic response, the relaxation response. However, the human body, nor the animal body, is not made for that chronic going to sleep with your worries and waking up with your worries right. and driving with your tensions and stressors. And what happens is that every part of the physiological system becomes compromised. Mm. And so we learn today, because people are naturally living longer, it's, it's you know, 40 years old is not the, the end of life naturally now, um, that stress, that long-term process of the stress grinding away at your physical health will implicate so many illnesses. And it's involved in any type of illness you can think of. Wow. That's the, that's the bad news. And now I'm sure that your listeners hearing that they're absolutely dying out there. 
right. Every one of us. Uh, Thanks, even Rabbi. Even more stress. So, everyone, have a nice day. It was nice talking to you. Exactly. And if you want to figure out how to handle that stress, now you have to show up. So you got two extra days of stress before you can come to the Young Israel of Woodmere at 10 o'clock, Monday Shabbos, and hear Rabbi Goldberg solve all your problems. <laughs> but let me share with you very quickly the good news. Okay. If I may. Good. And, and, that, and that is that every time a person gets that stress process, it will also tighten the muscles. And that's why people have back aches and this ache and neck aches. And... But that's a good thing because it gives you a chance to become observant. I, we, I, I do this seminar in businesses across the world, and 97% of the participants, whether it's at Ford, Walmart, the Pfizer, Sanofi, Aventis, describe it as having a profound impact on their lives. The, that stress, when you realize that you're reaching for the phone and your arm is getting tight, either your phone is way too heavy or you see on caller ID somebody you don't really want to talk to. <laughs> and we all have these triggers. We all have baggage. Right. We all have memories that hit the stress buttons. Right. However, when you can observe that you're having a stress reaction, you can actually stop it simply with your breath. Breathing is the only part of the autonomic nervous system. That's the stuff that happens by itself that we can so easily control. And if you use the breath, and we demonstrate we have this trademark breath break, if you use the breath to actually release the tension in your muscles, relax your muscles in the exhale, you're signaling to your brain to stop shooting out stress chemicals. You're telling them, your little components of the brain, that I'm going from a sympathetic to parasympathetic. I'm going from fight-flight to relaxation. So very simple breathing can actually stop the stress response. I'm trying that now, by the way. I am. It works. <laughs> it does work. It does work. I think it's going to take a lot of breathing on my part and a lot of training, but I definitely feel a difference once you are almost uh, talking me through it, even though you didn't realize it, talking me through it, I was mm -hmm. definitely relaxing as um, as I moved on or as I was listening to you. You know, a question I have, Rabbi, Rabbi Goldberg, is um, that you are a an assistant professor in pediatrics at Wayne State University School of Medicine, and you clearly have a very, very strong medical background. But you go as Rabbi Goldberg. Does your being a rabbi impact on every single day of, of your um, practice and your growth of this organization and in your treating patients and or members of the organization? I, absolutely. Um, everybody calls me Rabbi G, by the way. Okay. And I felt it was like really cool that an Orthodox rabbi needed permission from the Pope's office to start a program teaching Eastern meditative techniques to Vatican children. Wow. Um, so we have a big program at uh, Bambino Gesù at the Vatican Children's Hospital, which has now sped to five other cities in Italy. Wow. And of course, you know, we we're in Israel, etc. But everything that we do, we, we call it power, peace, purpose. That's the mantra. When the children bow in and out, it's power, peace, purpose. So we can bring in this extraordinary light. And it doesn't matter if you call it chi, ki, tnagadalam, prana, nishama. There's an incredible energy that's above us in, in our language. And I'm actually speaking about this Shabbos afternoon at 8 p.m., 8.15 at the Youngersville. There's this 
ability to access this energy and bring it through us and to feel it. Those of us who are involved in the martial arts know that power. It's extraordinary. And that gives us the ability to blow out the pain, fear, and anger. When we fill ourselves up with light, we're actually able to blow out the darkness. So we always ask the kids, what's, what's your darkness? And some kids will yell out their cancer or sickle cell or pain or fear or sometimes fear of death, and sometimes they'll say my brother. <laughs> kids, will, kids will be kids. Right, sure. But the ability to take control of that is really the power of the nishima, which is breath, which is the same as nishama, which is the soul. So if I were to go to the Vatican, tell them I want to teach them about uh, Kabbalistic concepts and, and Yiddish uh, themes, you know, probably wouldn't get so far even if I said it in Italian. Um, if we were to go to our, our um, the Muslim kids in Dearborn, Michigan, and tell them, you know, it's also uh, teach a bisselazach, it's <laughs> not going to work. They don't speak Yiddish. Right. But when we talk in the metaphor of the martial arts, it it works because it's it's clearly so universal. Do the kids even notice, by the way? I mean, again, this is an organization that is um, not limited to Jewish children suffering from cancer. This is this is open to all denominations. Are the kids do they do they even notice your yarmulke? Well, yeah, because it covers a very large bald spot. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> the the they know I'm Rabbi G, and the Muslim kids know I'm Rabbi G, and the Catholic kids know I'm Rabbi G, and usually things become very very spiritual. Especially we we give black belts to children before they pass away, wow. and we embroider the child's name in one end and the words Master Teach on the other, mm. and it becomes very spiritual. And I tell them that we all have one Father in heaven. And that's so true, and it's so powerful. And I believe it's a message that the Chazal, that the rabbis, and going all the way back to you know, being a light to the nations, to the Nevi'im, to the prophets, want us to make in this world. So for me, to answer your question, yes, everything that I do is informed by power, peace, purpose, which is another way of saying Torah. Rabbi Goldberg, with, with only a minute or two left, um... I, I do want to ask you a question which will probably end end me up in, in tears, but I'm willing to take that chance. There are plenty of families, plenty of parents who are going through a tremendous amount of adversity, a tremendous a, a tremendous struggle, um, both of physical strength, of emotional strength, of belief. Um, and, and I wonder if with everything that you see, does are, are you ever – are you ever taken back? Or are you ever taken aback when you see a parent's resolve? Does anything shock you at this point in terms of a parent's strength, or you've you've you appreciate it all? More than the parent's strength, or the strength that and the parents are great that we work with, and fortunately we buried last month uh, six children. Um, but more than the resolve of parents, I've seen literally five-year-old children who know that it's the end of their life get up to describe that they've defeated their cancer because they're not afraid, they're not angry. If anything, they're more connected to God and the people around them. Wow. That's what continues to inspire and motivate me and gives me the, the really strong feeling, and that's what really Kids King Cancer is all about, that these children can become an incredible light to the world, not just to 
transcend their darkness, but because of their, the darkness that they face, the ability to see the light within that cloud that can overwhelm and encapsulate anything and to still bring out light and faith and love, that never ceases to amaze me. Wow, that is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Rabbi Goldberg, I thank you for joining me. Rabbi Eli Malach Goldberg, again, is the founder of Kids Kicking Cancer. He'll be the scholar-in-residence this weekend at the Youngest Rule of Woodmere, corner of Long Acre and Peninsula in Woodmere. Look forward to hearing from him Shabbos morning and uh, throughout the day on Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi Goldberg. Thank you so much, Miriam. My pleasure. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And our next guest, our third and final guest, is on the line, is not on the line. Ellie, is Ellie Hagler on the line? Do we hear Ellie? He must have dropped. All right, Ellie Hagler, if you'll do me a favor and call back. We definitely want to highlight the new program going on at Yachad, of which Ellie is, uh, Ellie? Yes. There you are. How are you? Good. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for being there. I I apologize for making you wait, but I definitely want to take a couple of moments to discuss Yachad's new inaugural Jewish communal leadership program, of which you are an advisor. That is correct. That's fantastic. They couldn't find anybody else, buddy? (laughs) When you get desperate, you got to take what you can. I know, right? It was like, all right, fine, we'll ask Hagler. Um, It's actually a really, a very, very cool initiative, and I guess my first question is, what are the goals of this program? Uh, I think the goals are twofold. It's one, to enhance our staff, to bring on young, energetic, um, exciting, recent college graduates to work for a year before they go on to either graduate school or to the full-time workforce, but also to build up a passion in today's college graduates in the disability movement and continuing Yahoo's mission of promoting inclusion uh, within the Jewish community. So if we think, we hope, that is going to be a real win-win for both the fellows and the community and Yachas. Wow. I know that you were a member of the Presidential Fellowship at Yeshiva University, and that impacted a tremendous amount on you, and, and both as a person and as a professional. How do you expect that to impact on you as an advisor? Um, so I think that I have a lot of, I think I can relate very much to the fellows and what they're going through. I think the transition from being a full-time student to a full-time employee something that probably everybody struggles with and probably more than they're willing to admit mm. and or speak about. Um, but when I did the fellowship at YU, which I loved, and I'm glad that we're doing uh, a similar but very different program here at Yachad, is that you can, uh, when I was at YU, in addition to working at YU, we also took a course in community leadership uh, So we're through Wordswiler. So we're hoping to do something similar, not a formal course, but we have built into the fellowship program uh, separate learning uh, and really one-on-one, or in this case, some three-on-one uh, mentorship and advisorship with the fellows. I think that, by the way, that that's an important thing that we should just sit here and, and differentiate for a second, that we're we're not looking, or I shouldn't say we, Yachad is not looking to mimic um, the the presidential fellowship at Yeshiva University, but rather offer something to the to the community of, of families and individuals with, with special needs who need advocates and need leadership. Absolutely. I mean, so even just in terms of this fellowship alone, it happens to be that one of our three fellows, Robbie Grad, who's from Livingston, New Jersey, who just graduated from Yeshiva University, uh, after the fellowship plans to go to medical school, whereas one of our others, uh, Stephanie Weprin from Queens, plans to go and, and be a social worker. 
Wow. Uh, you know, so it's, it's not only about, well, I'm such a strong, passionate, uh, and I want to work in disability or in the social service field, but I feel a connection and an importance and understanding of what Yaha does, and I want to spend some time in that, giving to that before I continue on, and hopefully they will consider Yachad as one of the stepping stones that help them get professionally to wherever it is that they end up. Who's the third fellow? The third fellow is Naomi Gofine, who was from Toronto, who uh, just graduated from Stern College, and she was actually interesting. She was the captain of the Stern basketball team. So uh, let me guess. She's not coming to be a part of the Yachad basketball team. And let me uh, guess. You're she, ba- she will be the third fellow uh, beginning August. Please tell me you're not going to challenge her to a game in thinking that you're going to win this also. This is spell disaster. I've learned my lesson. Oh, Baruch Hashem. I'm happy you <laughs> Although, were school. To be fair, I most probably will put my foot in my mouth at some point oh. and end up challenging. Rabbeinu and Shal- look, if I have to, I'll put it up on the internet for everybody to watch. Rabbi Shalalam, you think you would have learned by the from the 11 year old girl <laughs> to begin with? Oh, that. Uh, first of all, she was nine <laughs> at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, Ellie Hagler. Good times. Let me ask you another question. Who realized that there was a void um, that needed to be filled by a program like this? Uh, I think it was a combination of both Dr. Luchman and myself. Um, I know when I first came to Yachat four years ago, I had brought up the idea of doing our own fellowship and or having part or having and hiring our own fellows and having them be a part of or a branch of uh, the YU Fellowship. Uh, this year, we actually got the funding for uh, the fellowship. So, well, actually, I wanted to look into the possibility of doing it jointly with YU, but obviously, as you know, that they're not having a fellowship program uh, this year, but we still wanted to go ahead and do it because we think, and I know from first-hand experience, that it really does make a big difference um, in someone's development and hope maybe even where their passions lie. Um, and when I was in Sims. LYU, I majored in management and real estate, and since doing my fellowship, I've worked for no one but the Jewish nonprofit world. So for me, it literally did shape my career. Wow. I didn't realize that. You learn something new every day. Imagine that. And when you you were um, a fellow at YU, you worked in the admissions department, correct? No, when I was an employee at YU, I worked in the admissions department. Oh, my my bad. As a fellow, I worked in the Office of Student Affairs, working on student programming and events. Interesting. Tell me how people knew about the fellowship in the first place and applied for it. Um, so our idea, the idea, once we got the funding and actually went with it, we were actually a little bit late in the game. The application didn't go live uh, until February, and we we had committed to making our decision before Pesach. Uh-huh. Uh, so we started getting it out there with just email blasts and word of mouth and mostly focusing on college age because we were really looking for recent college graduates. Um, and we didn't know what to expect, uh, and I think I'm incredibly happy with the turnout. We actually ended up having uh, 38 applicants from four different countries wow. from a dozen different states. Wow. Um, yeah, we're not even sure how some of the people found out about it. We had an applicant <laughs> who had just graduated from the University of Nigeria. Okay. <laughs> that would have been a commute. Yeah. That would have been a tough commute. In addition, to, obviously, we had local representation, but we also had applicants from the University of Illinois, from Arizona State, from Georgetown. Um, and a lot of the people are people who, in one way or another, are committed to and or involved in the disability world, but not necessarily the Yachad world yet. Interesting. And this is a one-year fellowship? It's a one-year fellowship, correct. And, and our plan is that we're going to have this year's fellows 
be very instrumental in picking, selecting, and teaching next year's fellows. Ah, so that that does sound remotely familiar to another fellowship program. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> if something's good, we don't have to change it completely. Amen. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, I thought this was an incredible initiative. I was happy to receive the press release about it the other day, and um, I'm, I'm happy that the, there's continued awareness that the the special needs community needs to have a very present voice needs that its needs need to be met and also that they should always have a seat at the table like this just to me is is very very um just speaking to the fact that they are a segment of the community who deserve to be heard and represented and we need to have leaders who are trained to do just that I think that there's no question about that. I think Yachad has come a very long way in the last 30 years. I think there's still uh, a long way to go. But, you know, even 30 or 40 years ago, people with special needs, the community didn't know that they existed. Right. You know, they were either put in a home, they were sent away, they were kept kept inside. But right. people with disabilities have unique skills. They have talents. And it's not always about focusing on someone's disability, rather focusing on their ability. Oh. So, I mean, like, everybody has their unique talents, and so do our Yachal members. Wow. That is great. Well, that is a great way to end. Ellie Hagler, thank you so much for joining me as always. And by the way, you did a great job this morning with Nachum on Jam and AM. Thank you. Let me just say one thing. I spoke this morning with Nachum on Jam and the AM about the uh, new law related to special education. Correct. I want everybody to listen again Tuesday morning. I'm going to have two parents joining me uh, when I host the Jewish Reaction Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Excellent. I'm looking forward to hearing that show. You got it. Thanks so much, Ellie. Have a great day. Thanks, Mary. Me too. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to make sure to go through the lineup with a song coming up in the background. Um, I do not want you to miss today's lineup. Right after That's Life, it's a live lunch with Nachum Siegel from 11 to 1. We start with brunch. We end with lunch. By the way, the song you're hearing in the background is... uh, (laughs) Yeah, Avrami's, Avrami's doing a little jig here because it's Soul Farm with the Shavubanim Ligvulam, which is obviously a tefillah we hope is answered very, very soon. Starting at 1 o'clock, it's an encore of the Stunt Show hosted by Mayor Ferdy. 2 p.m. is Throwback Thursdays, encoring JM&AM from years past. Homeward Bound, encores at 4.30 by the book, encores at 5. And Michael Fragan Spin Class, 6 p.m. today, Charlie Burnhout at 7.00. That is today's lineup. Tomorrow morning, Nachum is on from 6 to 9, JM in the AM, 911, 90.9, 91.9, Nachum Malcolm should be on around 7.40. Don't miss that. And, of course, as we have been announcing, Table for Two is live tomorrow morning from Gourmet in Cedarhurst. It is a supersized sh- show from 9 to 10.30. Guests who join us at Gourmet tomorrow morning will be eligible to win the Travel Shabbos set that Naomi has been publicizing on Facebook, courtesy of our friends at Judaica Plus in Cedarhurst. Make sure to join us there. An updated 2014 schedule is on our website. Two weeks longer than we ever should have imagined this taking place. We are still praying very, very hard for their safe return. Hopefully, our tefillah will be answered and Hashem will bring our boys back very soon. Until then, folks, that's life. Bye, guys. Shabu Bani, the 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 Shabu
Shabu, Banim, 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 Shabu, Banim,